0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 6. We'll be looking first at verse 5. As you're doing that, let me tell you that your life is not a movie. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Joe, you don't know me. And there may become a time when they will make a movie about my life. Even if they make a movie about your life, your life is not a movie. Or you see, in a movie, it lasts about 90 minutes, if it's really long, maybe a couple of hours. And in that time, let's say like a romantic comedy, uh, you have the introduction of the characters, you have them in a romantic comedy falling in love, and then some type of crisis or problem happens, and there's that separation, and oh no, This couple is not gonna get together. And then there's some resolution to that crisis and there's a happy ending. And all that's done in about 90 minutes. Or in a Christian movie, you'll have the kind of the same thing. It won't be romance per se, but it may be a crisis of faith or a crisis of sin or something. And then that there is a resolution to that and that all is well thereafter Uh, because it makes us feel good and it strengthens our faith. But our life is not a movie. It is not resolved in 90 minutes. And a perfect example of this is the life of Noah. Noah's life doesn't resolve in 90 minutes. We first get an introduction to who Noah is when he's 500 years old. So he's lived a life much longer than any of us are going to live before we ever get our introduction into him. And those of you who know the scriptures know that Noah was the one who built the ark and all those types of things and the animals. And we always seem to dwell on the ark, though we don't know much about it. We dwell on uh, the covenant made after the flood uh, with the rainbow and then the argument with science about whether there was a local flood or a uh, worldwide flood, um, those types of things. But the life of Noah is worthy to study as we consider faith. Because a lot of times, especially in today's world, it's if you have enough faith, this mountain will move. Or I'll get that car I wanted, or I'll get that person I've always dreamed of having. And there's some immediacy to the goal. But we're going to see in Noah's life, it is a life of faith, but it is a life of faith in obedience after a many, many years. And so, if you got to um, Genesis chapter six, starting with verse five, it says this: Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. To me, this is one of the most heart-rendering, heart devastating statements in all the
1: scriptures that everyone, all they're
0: ever thinking about is evil continually. And in our world, we think that that our culture and our world is going to hell in a handbasket and it's terrible. But in Noah's day, it was probably much worse. And so we have this situation, where mankind is basically only the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man from whom I have created from the face of the earth and from the man to animals, to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But, and finally we hear one of those buts that's a good thing not a, I like you, but it's all of this has happened, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So even though the whole world was only thinking evil only, and that was their intentions, Noah, one person found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And it says, and these are the, records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Now, when we think of walking with God, we took a look last time about Enoch who walked with God. We have this tendency to think that only Enoch walked with God, but Noah also walked with God, even though the rest of the world wasn't. And so we see him different than all of the rest of humanity. But he continues like Enoch to walk with God. And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then if you'll jump down to verse 13, because basically the next couple of verses talks about just the evil uh, that was filled with violence of the whole earth. And verse 13 says, Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them from the earth. Make yourself, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood, for you shall make the ark with rooms, and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. In the next few verses, it's going to talk about how he's to make this ark. He's going to be given the architectural plans. Now, we have this tendency because I think uh, when we get... Uh, nursery toys and whatever. Uh, the Ark is this little tiny little boat and um, we kind of get, and the argument is, well, how do you fit all of the animals in the Ark? And and then people say, well, there was probably baby uh, animals so that they're easier to fit in. And um, then everybody goes, well, what about the dinosaurs? And, and So all kinds of questions about who's in the Ark. Well, let, let me give you a little bit of information about the Ark. The Ark was about, four hundred and thirty eight feet long which means it could not fit inside a stadium because a football field if you include the end zones is 60 feet plus 300 feet so that's 360 feet there is another almost 100 feet that the ark is larger than it is also 73 feet wide it was four stories high
1: It had a total area of 96,000
0: square feet and a volume of about 1.3 million cubic square feet. This was a huge vessel. This was something that even the uh, engineers today will say that it was built to be stable. It was built not necessarily to um, navigate, but it was to be stable in the waters. And so God's told Noah, I want you to build this tremendous vessel, and I want you to build it out of gopher wood and
1: pitch. Jump down to verse... 22. Thus
0: Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. Now, we read that and we think, awesome, Noah, you did what God told you to do. You followed the architectural plans and you built the ark. But I want you to understand something. It took Noah about a hundred years to accomplish this task. He had to, and let's, let's go back. God says, I want you to make the ark. And I want you to make it from gopher wood, which is a particular type of wood. So Noah had to go. He couldn't call Home Depot and order a bunch of supplies. He had to go and he had to fell a gopher tree. And then he had to fix it so that it could be usable. So every time his ax hit that tree and the next tree and the next tree and the next tree, he was being obedient in faith. He believed God was going to do what God said he was going to do and that he was going to follow God's command. But it isn't like our movies where there's this crisis and then it's over with because of there's one decision. Noah had to make a decision to get up and go to work every single day working on the ark. This massive vessel.
1: And then he had to go and get pitch
0: so that it would be seaworthy and that it would not leak. And so every time he got dirty and grimy and gritty, he was putting this on the ark so that it would float. He was consistently obedient to the word of God. It wasn't, well, he was good on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, wonderful. Every day for a hundred years or so, he was obedient to the word of God. There were no rain clouds. There was no intervening forces that said, okay, God can be trusted. No, no. He built the ark in sunshine. He built the ark without any expectation that there would be this cataclysmic event other than what god said and i'm sure there there were those as he was building the ark said no why are you building the ark said because god called me to well why did god tell you to because he's going to bring a flood well i haven't seen rain in these parts anyway well you know and well he's going to bring a flood well maybe you should move maybe this valley's in trouble but if you move to another area, you'll be okay. And, and Noah goes, no, no, God said he's going to destroy the world. So I've got to build the ark. And others would say, well, you know, scientifically, we considered the fact that if it were to rain for that amount of time to flood the earth, that there would be this heat index and that the water would be boiling and you would die anyway. So what's the point? And Noah's going, I'm not sure how God's going to do it. He just told me he's going to do it. And we we concentrate on the fact that it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, but there is also a release of the floodwaters from under the earth. So God caused devastation even with your physics. But I'm sure there were those who were trying to get Noah to doubt and get off task. How do I know that? Because the same people do the same thing to us. Jesus says he's coming back. He's been gone 2,000 years. Really? And if he does, you know, it's probably not tomorrow, so take the day off. But Noah was obedient to the Lord. Verse 1 of chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone have seen to be righteous before me in this time. Notice, God had come to the conclusion before Noah started making the ark that there was only evil intent always throughout all mankind except for Noah. And during the hundred years that people that were watching Noah build the ark and had an opportunity to say, well, you know, maybe Noah is not crazy and maybe God is talking to him and maybe we should repent. Maybe we should ask Noah, if we can book passage on the boat so during all this time that people have had the opportunity to see Noah work in obedience of faith enter the ark you and all your household for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time you shall take with you a very clean animal by sevens a male and his female and all of the animals that, you, that are not clean to a male and his female Also the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will send rain upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah does the second thing. He builds the ark and then he fills it according to God's command. Noah continues to be obedient, even though he hasn't seen the first drop of rain, because he believes God. We walk by faith and not by sight. He doesn't say, okay, God, prove it's going to rain, and then I'll start building the ark, because then it's too late. Now jump down to chapter, verse seven. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him entered the ark because of the waters of the flood, of the clean animals and animals that are not clean and the birds and everything that creeps on the ground. There went into the ark to Noah by twos, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. It came about after seven days that the waters of the flood came upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life In the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, of the same day, all the fountain of the great deep burst opened, and the floodgates of the sky were opened, and the rain fell upon the earth for forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons were with him, entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, all sorts of bird. So they went into the ark to Noah by twos, all of the flesh in which was the breath of life. Those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, entered as God had commanded, and the Lord closed it behind him. Notice it was not Noah who closed the ark. It was God's judgment that came upon the earth, And Noah only did what God had commanded him to do. He did it. But when it came to judgment, it was closed by God, not by Noah. Then the flood came.
1: Now if we'll go to Hebrews chapter 11, that hall of fame chapter of faith, we see in verse 7, it says this, by faith,
0: Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So I want to go backwards here. Noah became righteous because he was, had faith. All the way back in the Old Testament, which everybody talks about the Old Testament being old, and we don't need to read it. Righteousness was determined by faith. Righteousness was determined by faith when it came to Abel. Righteousness was determined by faith when it came to Enoch. And righteousness was determined by faith when it came to Noah. And righteousness becomes by faith for you and me. God's plan has never changed. Righteousness comes by faith. Righteousness comes through faith, and faith comes by hearing the word of God. Noah believed God. I could almost say as he does about Abram, Noah believed God and was accounted to him as righteousness. Noah was obedient, even when he did not see what God was talking about. We similarly have been told that Jesus is coming back. We believe this because he said so. Not because we presumed it. Jesus said, I will return. Even in the communion, the Lord's Supper that we take, we declare his death until he comes. It is a statement of our faith because he said so. And people will say, well, you know, it's been about 2,000 years. He's probably not coming back. And we say we believe God. We are obedient to his word, and therefore we are to live our lives as though he's coming back because he's coming back. And we are to prepare for that coming back just as Noah prepared the ark. And it didn't last a day, and it didn't last. It's a lifetime that we walk by faith. Jesus talks about his second coming And he compares it to Noah's day. And he says that in Noah's day, they were marrying and giving in marriage. I find that phrase a little interesting. Because initially I think, well, it just means that people are just going on with their lives. They marry and give it in marriage and whatever. And yes, it talks about that. And that's kind of what's happening in our world. Everybody just lives their life as if nothing's going to happen, that Jesus isn't coming back. And if he is coming back, we'll figure it out at that time. They're marrying and giving in marriage. The second part of that phrase is what caught me. They marry and are giving in marriage. So what I think is happening is there is a delay. They get married. They live their lives. They have children. And then they marry their children. Nothing has changed. It's all the same.
1: They live their lives, not in faith, but in convenience.
0: We, certainly we marry and give in marriage, but it is not because we're just passing time. We live in faith. Jesus is coming back. So we prepare our lives in faith. We prepare our children in faith. We prepare our grandchildren. We do these things because we know That he is coming back. And we do what he says to do because we believe what he says. Noah's life was not a movie. It didn't last 90 minutes and was over. Your life is not a movie. It's not gonna last 90 minutes and it's over. It is going to be hard. There are gonna be people who doubt you, there are gonna be people who are against you, there are gonna be people who ridicule you and say what you believe is crazy. Because Jesus has been gone 2,000
1: years. And we simply turn and say, yeah. From an empty grave. The son of God. Will return.
0: I may not see it in my lifetime. But as others in faith said. But there will be a day when I do see it. If I am dead. When he returns, I simply get a six-foot head start. You see, faith is not something we profess. It's something we do. We live. We are obedient to it. When God says X, then we do X, whether it takes a 100 years or not.
1: Romans chapter 1.
0: In verse 16 says this in 17. I'm going to start with 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith.
1: James, which people oftentimes confuse,
0: gets the point. Some people say, oh no, you have to have works in order to be saved. James never argues that. James simply says, you want to see my faith? See what I'm doing. Paul says, we righteous people live by faith. Why is it? Because that's how we became righteous. If we don't live by faith, we're not righteous. So when somebody says,
1: show me me your faith,
0: do you say, well, I went to church Sunday. Or do you say, I'm living my life because of what he told me to do. I'm trusting him. Sure, I could try to get all the toys this world has to offer. But I've learned from him, I can't take it with me. I've learned from him to send it on ahead. I've learned from him that the widow, his might, had more value than everybody else who gave in the treasury. And while I have very little offer, I'm going to trust that he takes it and uses
1: it. One of my favorite books in all the Bible is Romans. Romans starts out this way and says um,
0: that the reason he's writing Romans in verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. Paul wrote Romans for us to understand the faith and not just to understand it but to do it to be obedient in it faith isn't simply i believe god it's you chop down the tree to make the ark and you chop down the next tree and you chop down the next tree and you chop down the next tree until the ark is made and you get yourself dirty with the pitch and you stick it on the boards and you say Lord, it's hot today. I don't see any rain, but I'm going to put the pitch on because you told me to. Similarly in our lives, God, people are ridiculing me. They're just, they're, they're doing their thing and they seem to be succeeding. They're getting rich. They're having friends. They're doing all these things. And I'm sitting here building a boat.
1: Noah was righteous and found favor in the eyes of God. At the end of Romans.
0: Chapter 16. He says this in verse. 25 through 27. Now to him who established you. According to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery. Which has been kept secret. For, so, for long ages past. But now is manifested and by this by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to the obedience of faith. You hear so often if I just have enough faith maybe if you're obedient to the faith that you have God will give more. Rather than seeking more faith, seek to be obedient in the faith that God has given you. Because the scripture says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. I don't, I'm not to proclaim I'm better than you because I have more faith, because I probably don't. I'm supposed to be obedient in the faith that He's given me.
1: I think it's a shame that we have to see in the hall of fame of faith a name of Noah. And instead of saying, that's right, he should have been included. We go, huh.
0: I know the story. Yeah, he made an ark and animals two by two went in and it rained and the flood deep and we floated out there for about 40 days and it's kind of cool and then there was this rainbow which now we can't use because other people do kind of sad isn't it a promise that God has given us Noah followed God when it was hard Noah followed God. I'm, I, I'm not a woodworker. I didn't know until I was about 27, 28, there was a difference in hammers. I thought a hammer was a hammer. I thought I was building a patio, and, and one person was going boom, 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 and I'm hitting the thing, and my hammer is melting away, and, and, I, go, and I discovered there was a difference in hammers. I kind of always thought that if you were going to build something like a fence or something, it had to be perfect. So I saw everybody else's stuff and it wasn't so perfect and stuff. So, I, but I am, I'm in awe
1: of Noah. Cause he didn't go to Home Depot, chopped down trees. He made planks, put them together so that they would have strength so that it might sustain three different decks. He did that without an army of carpenters.
0: Probably at best, as his sons were a little older, he said, you know, bring that board over here. And as they were running, he goes, here, go take the axe and chop down another tree and get out of my way because you're losing the tools. But I'm sure at most he had three sons who helped him out for some period of time. But every day
1: he was obedient to God. He should be
0: a highly viewed person that we want to emulate. God, even in the, because we always want to trust God in the storms of life. What about trusting God when it's sunshiny? But he's told us to be prepared.
1: Take my life and let it be. consecrated, Lord, to you.
0: You want me to build an ark in the middle of a valley where I don't know what rain is and I haven't seen even a lake, let alone an ocean? Okay, God i'll build it or god do you want me simply to deny my own preferences for that of someone else do you want me to live my life like jesus did yeah but god you don't understand (laughs) they didn't treat jesus very well yeah that's right and they're not going to treat you very well either they're going to continue doing their thing they're going to continue to marry and giving in marriage. but that's not what I called you to do. I've called you to walk by faith and not just walk by faith but walk at it in obedience to my commands. Take
1: my life and let it be consecrated only, always him and all God's people sent.